Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. Thank you for joining us. We are in episode number 79. This is going to be a real life stories edition with Derek Manville. He is an awesome man of God that I've got to know recently, and I know he's got some great stuff he's going to share with us. Before we dive into his story, I want to say thank you to all of you that listen to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. We exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. So all of you that listen in America and around the world, again, we give shout out to all of our listeners, United States, Sweden, United Kingdom, France, India, Japan, Netherlands, Belgium, Russia. I hope that wherever you're listening, there's something that is going to be spoken today that will just encourage you, grab hold of your heart and be like, man, that's exactly what I needed to hear. So here we go. Our guest, Derek Manville. Thank you for joining us today, Derek. Hey, thank you, Jeremiah. Really appreciate you being here. I know that we've gotten to know each other just recently. I'm a new guy here in Carthage, Missouri, Southern Missouri. You've been here forever, though, right? I have. Yes. This is your More. this is your homeland. Yes. So. Yes, it is. <laughs> anyway, give give us your quick bio. We're going to dive into your story, but give us your quick bio, kind of where you're at right now in life. Yeah. Um, well, where I'm at in life, I've, I've got a I've got a wife and two uh, two beautiful daughters, a lovely wife and uh, daughters, twenty one, nineteen, and uh, we've been in Missouri. Now I came back to Missouri about ten years ago after being away for about seventeen years, um, but was born and raised here in Southwest Missouri, little town Jasper, and uh, but we're uh, kind of where we're at. Right now, just uh, really God's uh, been moving us into um, a lot of new things here in the last uh, year or two. There's just been a lot of transition in our life. Cool. And you're one of those guys that has a lot going on. I mean, in this community, you're an associate pastor at Faith Life Church or uh, it's Faith Life Worship Center. Okay. Faith Life Worship Center, associate pastor there. You're also the director of Feeding Inc. Yes. You're running a family business. So... All kinds of cool stuff going on in your life. Yes. There so I is. guess the question then would be is like, how did you how did you get there? So you grew up you grew up here in yes, um, well, this you know, Carthage area. Yeah, I you know I I believe that our our experiences as we go through life and the doors that God opens always helps prepare us for um, later in life. You know, I'm a, a strong believer that preparation time is never wasted time and. Um, I, I, I know that as we submit ourselves to the will of God for our lives, that um, he, he will open those doors for us um, in, in his season and in, in his time. And so, um, you know, we've had a lot of opportunities, a lot of wonderful um, uh, just relationships that God has put us in contact people over the years that, you know, have, have brought us to the place that we are. And um, God's grace has just been amazing um, in our life. So you grew up in this area. Your family had been here a long time. You said you, like the family business that you have is 72 years old, you said? Yes, yes. 1947 and started by my grandfather and um, my uh, dad and his brothers uh, took it from that point. And um, uh, my dad is still living. Um, he's retired. And my brother and I um now uh, run it. My my brother's the general manager, and um, he's probably has his hand. He does have his hands in it a lot more than I do, but uh, I'm there. You know, usually about twenty hours a week. So, okay, yeah. Got. So, did you grow up in a family of faith? Did you have Christian Christian family? Thankfully, I did. Um, okay. I had a I had a wonderful upbringing. Uh, both of my parents were. 
Christians. Um, they were believers growing up. Uh, my my grandparents uh, were believers. Um, I had a grandfather who was a Baptist minister. Um, I actually never knew him. Uh, he'd passed away before I was born. Uh, but yeah, they were raised in in uh, faith, and you know because of that, uh, my brother and I were raised in faith. So we were very we very blessed um, just to to be able to uh, partake of that growing up. Cool. I always, you know, we always have different, all of us have different stories, different testimonies of how God grabbed a hold of us. And I always find it interesting to dive into the story and the mind of someone who grew up in, in the faith, in Christianity. I did not, I did not grow up knowing and following and serving Jesus and in the church and going to church every week. And so for you, so I find it interesting with people who grow up in that environment, knowing God, what was that like for you? Did you, did you have a real sensitivity, a real relationship with God from the beginning? Did you have, were you one of those uh, rebellious people? Did you grow up, did you grow up serving and then falling away? Or what, what was your story in regards to that growing up? Well, I, um, you know, I, I got saved at a very early age, um, age seven, and I really believed that I did understand, um, you know, the basic of what Jesus did for me uh, at that age. I was water baptized when I was nine, and then at age uh, 15, I got spirit baptized, uh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That really changed my life in a big way uh, because I began to come into more of a fullness and understanding of the word of God. And just, there was just more life. There was just more, uh, meaning and purpose to my life after, after, at that point. Um, I, I, I had, I, I want to say, I say I was a good boy, but I did have my, my things and my issues, I think <laughs> just like everyone else, okay. I, but I was not, a, a a child that was rebellious. I really always had a heart to, to please God and please my parents, um, I did have my share of things that uh, I participated in. And um, I would say, you know, growing up in the church and growing up in Christianity, I, I do believe that um, many times when uh, when you have that opportunity, that you can take that for granted many mm. times. And one thing that uh, the Lord showed me later in life, it was actually in ministry, my first full-time ministry opportunity was that I had a lot of self-righteousness. And um, I, 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 I do believe that many times um, we can begin to feel as if we, because we grew up so well or we had it so good and we begin to compare our sins with other people's sins or, or what, what have you, yeah. that we we think that somehow like we're, we're better, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. uh, you know, so through a, through a very, uh, really a, a very, uh, life shaking, um, experience, God showed me my heart that I was self-righteous because I had been, I had had unforgiveness towards someone and I was really had been judgmental and uh, God really turned that around. Yeah. For I, me. I find that can be a struggle for me now that I've, I got saved when I was basically 18, and now I'm 40 years old. So I've been living for Jesus longer yeah. than I have not living, been living for Jesus. So that's awesome. Yeah. But you get into this uh, Christian lifestyle, and you have to remember, like, don't forget where you came from. You know, right. don't. And for even someone like you that grew up in a Christian environment, 
we have to remember we're all sinners that we were all no matter if your dad was billy graham i guess or you know whatever that we're all sinners that we need the salvation work of christ and we have to keep that perspective as we're now ministering to people you know what i'm saying that that don't forget that we're ministering with these people that need the love and the grace and the mercy of god so i want to go back to this moment that you talked about because i think this is critical i want people to really hear and understand it's obviously there's this moment of salvation you talked about that where you felt like you really knew the lord and understood god's grace mercy and salvation but this baptism of the holy spirit moment at 15 was that at a church or a camp or what was that convention or actually happened in my bedroom uh but but i have to say and actually uh we had uh moved to a new church uh when i was 14 years old and it was actually up on the square here in carthage at that time uh that was kind of near the end period of kind of where the charismatic renewal had had really come had been moving through the body of christ and uh, my parents uh, had got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and so they decided to change churches. We had been in a Presbyterian church for a long time. It was a wonderful church, wonderful, amazing people, and we'd grown a lot. But they, there was just my, my parents were just like, there, "There's more," you know. And they'd had yeah. friends that, <laughs> and so they they felt like they were supposed to to change uh, churches, and so we did. And for the first year, I was really really standoffish because I heard, I saw like Holy Spirit moving in ways that I had never seen before. I heard people (laughs) speaking in tongues and, and, and it, it, it startled me a little bit. And at first I wasn't real open to it, but then there was something that happened at church camp, um, uh, one year, the first year that I'd went with that church, I had a real encounter with God. And um, it, I, I just really believe it changed my perspective and my openness to the Holy Spirit and the fact that He's still moving today. His power is is still what it was, um, you know, in the Book of Acts. And as a matter of fact, He's wanting, you know, us to return to that the mm-hmm. church, uh, as in the as in the the Book of Acts, the the early church. Yeah. So you were. I was 15, 15 and just praying, I, praying I, in your bedroom. I asked the Lord, I was like, I want, I want to be full. I want this, this experience of, of the baptism of the Holy spirit, because I saw what it was doing in people's lives. Once I had opened up to it, um, I, I witnessed it at church camp and, and I, so I went home and I, I'm there praying. I'm, I'm knelt down there at my bed and I just started I, I started speaking out, and there, there it came. The river it just uh-huh. started, just started flowing out of me, and and I won't forget that because at that time uh, in my life, I was kind of doing what a lot of high school boys do, you know, um, just cussing with the best of them. You know, I was an athlete and all that, and the Holy Spirit. I mean, when He came in like that into my life, He literally cleaned my language up wow <laughs> and it was not long that yeah. that desire it just stopped hmm. and you know a lot of my friends noticed that um and so i thank god for that yeah praise god that that's that's powerful i had a similar experience where i was uh just on my own uh, as a young believer in christ and reading through the book of acts and just being like man i want this i want to get filled with the holy spirit and just happened for me it was very interesting because it happened very naturally 
very easy. I want to say almost very easy. And now the one thing that I find being in ministry, being a pastor who will preach and talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with other people and sometimes pray for people, that some people really struggle with it or struggle getting it, you know, or, yes. you know, um, yes. what do you say to that? Well, what I say to that is, you know, I, I, I believe this. I believe there's um, two primary reasons why people struggle receiving the Holy Ghost and the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that, is, number one, is perhaps uh, there's not faith present because the gift of the Holy Spirit is received by faith, just like salvation. Yeah. Amen. Um, yep. So either faith is not present, um, there's doubt there, unbelief as to whether they, a person doesn't believe that it's still for us today or whether uh, they don't believe it's for them, it's only for certain people. Um, and secondly, I believe it can be, a person may have faith, but maybe it's just um, the the inability to yield. I believe yielding our heart to the Holy Spirit um, enables, it kind of opens up the, the gate and the door for him to just come in and, and really... Um, and really fill us, you know, to overflowing. So yieldedness is real important when it comes to receiving the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit. And so that that that's what I believe. That's yeah, that's you know. great. And I hope that encourages someone today because I know some people, <laughs> you know, want it, want it, recognize they need the baptism and the power of the Holy Spirit in their life, and uh, and you know, all the things of God require partnership. Yeah, is one way of looking at it. You know, salvation is a partnership with God. Yeah. God doesn't force you to get saved. It's not like mm-hmm. I will make you get saved right now. You know, He's like, well, I've provided the way, and uh, here it is, and I'm willing to engage in this relationship with you. But you got to want it. You got to have faith and trust in me. And it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, it's it's a partnership relationship. Yes. You know, it's yes. not it's not demon possession. It's not possession, you know, where right. the Holy Spirit is just going to randomly attack you right. and uh, make you speak in tongues and do all kinds of crazy things. Right. You got to say, Holy Spirit, I want you and the work that you want to do in my life. I want that. And I'm ready for that. Yes. I, there, yes. There needs to be an expectancy and a hunger, you know, for, uh, the Holy Spirit and the supernatural. And, you know, God, he will meet us and many times exceed uh, our expectation when we're hungry, uh, hungry for him. I, I truly believe that. Yeah. So now you're saved, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're growing up in a good godly home, you're getting ready to be a, you're a high schooler. What, what's happening as you're approaching graduating and those kind of things? Did you have a calling where you're like, I want to do something for God? Was it like, well, I'm just, I'm, or did yes. you have the mindset, I'm going to do the family business for the rest of my life? Or, I definitely didn't have that at that time. Uh, it, it was dirty work. It, it was very dusty. My dad always used to tell me, Derek, if you don't want to work at this business, then you need to go get a college education. You know, And so that's exactly what I did. And God opened up uh, some wonderful doors for me. Uh, I ended up going to John Brown University, a private Christian university in Salem Springs. Um, uh, had an opportunity to play college basketball there. Uh, got an accounting degree, and um, my senior year of college is where I really began to uh, sense that there was a, a a calling, a divine calling on my life uh, in, in the ministry. Up until that point, it was just kind of like a thought here and there, 
but I really began to sense this strong desire my senior year. And so, um, I, it was actually the spring of my senior year. Like I have at this point, I have no job lined up. You know, all my friends are getting these great jobs with, you know, some with accounting firms, oil companies, um, and that so on. Uh, and here I am and I'm, I'm wondering what, you know, what next? I, mm-hmm. I just didn't seem to really have any direction. But then um, I had a friend uh, in our townhouse at college who introduced me to uh, a place uh, down in Tulsa, uh, Rama Bible College, uh, that was founded by Kenneth E. Hagen. And yeah. uh, so I, I ended up looking into that. And when I went, I just I visited. I knew immediately this is my next step. And, you know, God just began to stir my desires toward that. Uh, you know, I had some friends that thought I was nuts because, you know, my, my parents had put out a lot of money for me for college. And here I am, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making a switch, you know, to right. Bible college. And, yeah. and, but, I, but I knew it was right. <laughs> and thankfully I had parents that have always been supportive of me and have prayed for me. That oh, that's awesome. I would walk in God's will. My mom always prayed that for me. God had shown her some point when I was a young man that I would be at some point a pastor or, you know, serving in that type of a role, but she never told me that. Okay. And uh, so, you know, something that God had to reveal to me, God had to show me. And, uh, and, and that really taught me a lot because I think as parents, many times we can get our hands too involved or our words too involved with our kids mm. and not, us wanting them to become something yeah. uh, maybe that we were or, you know, that we want to see them be when actually, yes, we are called to train them in the way that they should go. We are to train up a child in the way that they should go, but that way that they should go is by the leading of the Holy Spirit. We should teach our kids to hear the voice of God and be led by the Holy Spirit yeah. in their life. And so... Um, and I hope I can yeah. practice. I hope I can practice what I preach when my daughters are <laughs> approaching this phase in life. Where I think the yeah. temptation is, we make the focus all about you know being successful, being rich in education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and and that's fine and that's good. But putting the the primary emphasis of serving Jesus and doing what God wants you to do. That should yes. be our goal for the kid, our, our children. Absolutely. And it's, it's not about being rich because th- those things are all futile. They're all fleeting They're They are. And we should understand this as believers, right? I mean, the Bible says, Jesus said, what good is it if you gain the whole world yet forfeit your soul? And I think there's yes. just times as Christians, parents and believers that we're keeping these expectations on our kids to be successful and, rich and the American dream and a nice house and a nice car. Mm. But really what's, what about the calling of God on your life? And obviously you had to kind of make that shift where, like you said, uh, a university where kind of the expectation as you're heading out of that is like, okay, now you go get the really good job. You start making the money, you start heading on that pathway to American success. Yes. So true, Jeremiah, you know, and I, I had that little struggle there my, my senior year, because uh, my college roommate was an accounting major, and he, you know, he was he was wonderful. He helped he he probably helped me through more classes than you know I helped myself. <laughs> but he went and immediately took his CPA exam, passed it first time. You know, he's making really good money. 
Um, you know, the, the money, I, I don't know. I didn't really ever feel like the money was a very, a, a real strong pull on me at all. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm an accounting major and I could do this, you know, but I, I just wanted to, I wanted to follow God. I wanted to please God. And, mm. you know, he followed God and actually God ended up sending him to Morocco and he taught, uh, accounting in a, in a, a university was primarily Muslim, and God used him there. Pretty amazing. But this was this was my path, you know, that God had for me, um, and and it, and it turned out being amazing because when I got to Tulsa, it was like within the first week that God brought my wife across my path, wow. and you know that was, of course, like at that time I didn't immediately know that she was my wife, obviously, but okay. that was like big celebration day you know, <laughs> when I realized, wow, you know, Lord, I, I see this is part of the purpose why you took me here. You if know, nothing else, you got a good woman out of it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> he that finds a wife finds a good thing. Amen. Yes. So you got into this uh, Bible college, Rama. you said is Rama yes. school. I'm yes. familiar with that. I haven't been there yep, before, yep. but, and then, did you make your focus then was ministry or you're like, I'm yes, yes, predominantly it, shifting to a ministry focus. Yeah. So it was a, it was a two year school at that time. It's three or four years now, but, uh, focusing in pastoral ministry. And, uh, my wife of course was there at school as well. We didn't get married till we graduated from that, um, in 1995. Um, but it wasn't immediately that we actually went into full-time ministry. We served there at Rama um, in the children's ministry for about five years. Um, huge church. Um, but I actually was working in the banking industry and um, ended up getting promoted eventually to a branch manager there in Tulsa with Arvest Bank. And uh, it, it, it turned out to be very uh good experience in actually equipping me and training me for the ministry. So okay. in 2000 is when we actually first uh, entered into full-time ministry. We had an opportunity out in um, Charlotte, North Carolina. We took. Yeah. And, oh, wow. Uh, and and so, I came from Spartanburg, South Carolina, so just an yeah, hour away. We lived in Rock Hill, actually. Oh, South yeah. Carolina. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and, and it, it was, a again, another amazing experience. Um, we were uh, we were associate pastors there. We had, I think, six, seven pastors on staff, and we were primarily over the youth and children's ministry, and then we were involved in taking teams on mission trips and oh, cool. stuff like that. Before we get into that, just for a second, I, you, you brought up a couple points that I want to make sure people understand as they're living this Jesus journey, as I call it, the Jesus lifestyle. You know, God can shift your focus at any time. If, if, if you make your focus following Jesus and just being available, yes, you, you got to be careful with that because he might shift your plans. In your ideas, and you know, you had this shift senior of high school, or not high school, excuse me, uh, as a senior in college, you had this shift where God took you from a pathway of accounting to yes. now heading towards ministry. And I want to encourage people to just be open to God because I mean, you might be 30, you might be 40, you might be 50, and you've been doing you've you've been in this flow of life for X amount of years. Yes. But if you're open to following Jesus, this could be the year God calls you to something different. I mean, it could be the year he calls you to ministry. I still 
uh, not segueing away from your story, but one of my greatest heroes is a missionary. He's dead now, uh, but he in his he was sixty early sixties. He was an, a very successful engineer, you know, upper middle class, if you will, made very good money. Was getting ready to retire, and God called him to be a full time missionary, mm. and that that's for an American. That's very unnatural. That's an unnatural phase of life to take a huge leap of faith like that. Yes, and because yes. our, our culture says, now you retire, you buy an RV, get a condo, uh, and enjoy life, right? Oh, yeah. and, or something yeah. like that. So anyway, yeah. he took that step of faith. And for the next 20-some years, he planted 30-some churches in Uganda. And so I just want to tell people, whether you're a senior in college, high school, you're 40 years old, if you just keep your heart pursuing God, going after him, you might hit a moment where God shifts gears yes, and takes you to something different, different level, yes. and to be open and aware to that. Yes. Yeah. I, yes, definitely. I, I believe a real, a real key in being ready to walk through that door that the Lord places before you is to always remain, first of all, be in love with Jesus. Um, loving God with all your heart, you know, uh, being in love with him um, to the point that you are uh, dead to yourself, uh, that your your flesh, you know, is, is dead. Because, you know, it's the flesh that, that many times wants to draw us toward um, other things that, you know, that present themselves as, well, this is true success or, you know, this is really what will make you happy in life. But if we stay in tune with the Lord, our heart is sold out for him. We're dead to ourselves. We'll be ready to walk through that open door. You know, yeah. we'll be ready to sell everything that we have and, <laughs> and, and, you know, whether we give it or, or even give it away, what, whatever the Lord tells us to do, we'll be willing to do that because we are dead, but he's alive in us. And, and, you know, I, if, if I could say any, anything to people listening is, you know, humility and, and recognizing that your life is not your own. Your life belongs to the Lord. And that's why we're here. We were created for his pleasure. We were created to worship him first, and we're created to um, impact the people around us for for the kingdom for eternity. Wow. Yeah. And one other thing I wanted to bring up, we'll die kind of get back to the timeline here, but that there there's always a process. Always. There's always a process to the calling of God. Mm-hmm. You know, for you it was, you know, growing up getting saved at 7, getting baptized in the Holy Spirit at age 15, uh, going to college, God shifting gears in as a senior in college, then going to Rama Bible College, but then you know, then going to a church and then working and doing secular work. You know, we have to understand that in this Jesus journey, there's ebbs and flows, times and seasons. God might be speaking things into your life, but it doesn't always mean that they're going to instantly happen. You know, I mean, True. just because God calls you into ministry today, you might have to then go to Bible college. You might have to be an account. You might have to work for a bank. Well, you know, I, I want to encourage people in that regards because I think some people get off track or... Uh, they, they put God's calling on their timeline rather than his. Yes. And that's very dangerous because, oh, yeah. uh, you know, it takes you, there's a process to getting where God wants you to be, right? There Did is. you ever have that feeling when you're working at the bank or whatever? You're like, 
I thought I was called to full-time ministry, and I'm working at a bank. And Oh, yes. We, <laughs> we actually had a couple opportunities uh, while I was working with the bank to uh, step into ministry uh, positions in other states, uh, one in Arkansas and I believe in Missouri, uh, and, and it just didn't, didn't feel like it was the right place, right time, and so stuck with where I was at and yeah. you know I think God was doing a work in me training me for leadership and just you know working with people and their money you know that's yeah. a that's a real <laughs> intense job yeah. sometimes part of being a follower of Jesus is learning to wait on the Lord waiting yes <laughs> and that's yeah, very annoying him. to wait but um, <laughs> we have to you know so uh, you you dive over there you're now in North Carolina there working at a church and mm-hmm. let's dive yeah. back into that point in life yeah yeah, uh, we had moved out there. It was some another couple that we had known from Rama, and they had a children's pastor position come open. And, and of course, we had been, spent five years at Rama Bible Church working with kids. So again, there he is preparing us because I was absolutely terrified to work with kids in the beginning. <laughs> um, I'd say we've been working with kids now for almost twenty-five years um, in youth in some degree um but um yeah we we took that we took that uh position and um and then four years into being there we then we took the youth ministry we had a wonderful team of people uh the the children's ministry was actually able to sustain itself and got involved that was the first place we really got involved in missions and oh my (laughs) <laughs> that just stir me. Uh, that that probably really became my passion and still is today. So, you know, we, we wow. find ourselves being very missional in our community. And then when the Lord calls us away, you know, to another country for short term, we, we do it. We just yeah. do it. So. I, have, I, have a bun- I have a much better recommendation uh, if you're thinking about taking drugs, you know, or just, just do missions, it's it is a much healthier drug. Uh, it's it oh, has the same effects, it, you know. It, it, it will high, it's highly addictive. Uh, it will change your life. But so, you know, I tell people that all the time, like, yeah. man, missions is my drug. Yeah, I'm with you. On that. I'm telling you, I'm with you on that. Yes. It changes your life forever. Definitely. And was that a was that a foreign missions trip in terms of the missions, or what was that that lit that fire for missions inside of you? Well, funny enough, uh, it was an inner city mission trip to New York City. Oh, and wow. uh, somehow our mission director <laughs> was put in touch with a pastor up in New York City. And so we took a team of youth and adults up there, and it literally just changed my life. I'll never forget that day leaving New York City and um, just seeing Manhattan and the entire city what I had experienced that week and what God birthed in my heart. He birthed in my heart uh, a passion to, to see nations come to Jesus. And because in New York City, it is, it's just like a, a pool of the world. I mean, you have the whole world yeah, all yeah. in one place. So we were encountering Hindus, is, uh, people of the Islamic faith, Catholicism, Buddhism, all these different religions when we're doing our street ministry and yep. stuff. And it, it just touched my heart in an amazing way. I'll never forget it. Wow. Um, yeah. So that, and that was 2000, that was the year after nine 11. 
that we oh went, wow wow that, that we actually went so that was and, probably a real sensitive uh time inter- very interesting time to be doing a mission trip in it New was York. because a lot of the people in new york city you could sense a lot of fear um mm. just in the city and among the people you know i think a lot of people in new york city they already live scared all the time but it was really very intense but what it, that did for us as a mission team, it really, you know, their hearts were so open to the mm. gospel. Yeah. And so it was amazing. And you can't get, you cannot, here's an argument I will make. Maybe I can't prove this biblically, but you cannot get that passions for missions until you do missions. Does that make sense? You know, I mean, you could talk about it. You could chuck some money in the plate. You could pray for the missionary. Yeah. You could take their card. But Jesus, uh, I will argue this till the day I die at least up to this point. <laughs> Jesus did not said, say give. He said go. Go. You know, yes. to go. And yes. and again, that doesn't mean, you know, a lot of times when I say that, and I'm, I'm getting hardcore about that, a lot of people are like, they think I'm talking about Africa or a distant country. Mm-hmm. And for some people, God does, some people need to take that step of faith. They mm-hmm. need to step out of this country and this culture. But missions is everywhere. It is. And missions is New York City. And, and we forget that there are so many quote unquote missions opportunities all over the place. Yes. And if people would just Everywhere. take a taste of that, man, yes. uh, it will change their life. Yes. Right here in our own town. You know, in, Carthage. in Carthage, Missouri. Yeah. yeah. Such tremendous missions. need. Yes. Go to, go to feeding Inc and do a missions trip. <laughs> there you go. So anyway, yes. wow. So you started getting a passion for missions and, and that just continued to fester in your life there. It did. Yes. And, and we, uh, we, uh, not long after that, we began to start a bus ministry there in the Charlotte area. Uh, we began to hit low-income housing uh, with buses. We were bringing in, you know, 80 kids to 100 kids on Saturday mornings, preaching the gospel to them, you know, seeing them saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. They they absolutely loved it. These kids, many of them were unchurched. Um, many, Most of them came from broken homes because you know we, we were going in the projects and this was a real a real stretch for me because I grew up in small <laughs> town America you know and so it was uh it was definitely a, a stretch for us in our faith but and then it seemed like about every year God would open a door it would make a connection I think we ended up going to Mexico a couple times Dominican or Cup republic a couple times you know while we're there and we ended up going to new york city like three times three or four times um you know and it just uh, yeah it just it it really did it it fueled the passion that was already in there i think it first was deposited our first trip to new york you know and i you know i believe that when we have a love for the lord that he just gives us a passion to reach or a compassion, let me say, passion for God will produce compassion for people. Mm, Amen. Um, And, and, you know, I I believe that he can do that, but man, when you do actually go out on the field, it just, it just fuels it even more. Yeah. It really does. And so, yeah. This is a classic illustration I like to use sometimes is with people. If someone came to me and said, you know, Pastor Jeremiah, I'll give you $15,000 for your missions department program, et cetera, at the church, that's option A or B, I will go on your missions trip that costs $1,500. I'm giving you those two options. Which one do you want? Which one will you take? And I said, every time I'll take option B, 
I want you to spend fifteen hundred. Take keep your fifteen thousand. Yeah. Spend the fifteen hundred. Come with me on this missions trip, and I guarantee you, you are going to taste, smell, touch <laughs> things that you've never. Yeah. Yes. seen or done before yes. and God's going to move in your heart and your life. He's going to change your perspective and your heart. And the moment we get back to uh, Carthage, Missouri or wherever we're at, you're going to bust out your checkbook and give me that $15,000 anyway, Yes, because uh, you're going to be so yeah. changed by God. It's going to give you that passion for mission. And you just can't, I, again, I can't underestimate that enough. How, mm-hmm. if you will just go and do missions the work of God, it will change you and it will completely change your life. It, it will. And, and, you know, pastor, how, you know, when you take a team or you take people with yes. you, isn't it such a joy yep. to see, especially the people who are going yeah. for the first time and to see how God touches their life and how he uses them and, and what happens inside of them. I think that's one of the greatest joys that I have as a, yes. as, yep. a as a leader is actually taking, you know, whether it's yeah. young people or yep. adults for the first time. Yeah, yeah that's, that. that's what you, exactly. I mean, I've, yeah. I don't want to say I've lost the, the high of like when I go to Africa or like mm. I'm going to go to Jamaica in a couple of weeks and do missions there. And it's not that I don't enjoy it and get excited about it. Um, but I've done it so many times now that I don't have, I don't have that first newbie, you yeah. know, yeah. eyes wide open kind of feeling anymore. Right. And yeah. it's not like I'm a pro either, you know, like, Oh, I, I totally know how to be a missionary. <laughs> I'm an expert. But the one thing that I love every time is seeing missions come alive oh, for man. the first time in someone else's life. It's, there's nothing like it. So it's great. Yeah. Well, we talked a lot about missions and those kind of things. We'll have to get you back to, there, there's so much more of your story. I want to talk about and, and things that you do with feeding ink and, but I think we really just hopped on the missions train here today and, you know, encourage people in regards to the missions. Uh, you know, I, you know, I tell people start with something small. If it's something at your mm. church, it's, mm. it doesn't always have to be going to Africa. I mean, I'll do that for you. If you want, you give me the money, I'll go to Africa. Uh, I'll do that for you. If you're too scared to go to Africa, just give me the money. I'll go for you. Uh, or, you know, how yeah. do people do this? I think people get a little fearful. People get afraid. Um, yeah. Of missions, yes. When there's yeah. no need to be, no, no, there's not. Um, you know, and I and I believe we're we're, you know, what we've seen or what I've seen over the last few years is just in a lot of places, especially here in the Western world and rural America, there, there's just a lot of inactivity, uh, non movement among sometimes people in the body of Christ and. The thing is, man, God created every person with a unique purpose, and um, everyone has something unique, God-given in their heart that they can put their hands to um, that's right in front of them. I mean, let's use Carthage, this city, for example, um, at the, the, the poverty level just in this city. I think here a couple years ago was at like 25%. Wow. Okay. That that's ridiculous. You know. Yeah. So so let's do something about that. But you know, doing something, people finding what they do well and starting there, just starting with, or or a, a simple idea. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, baking cakes or or whatever, finding somewhere to to connect where they can give into so into the this community. Because it's many times those simple things that open 
up the hearts of people so that they can receive the gospel. And here's another thing. I think that many times people get uh, their standoffish from missions because they, they feel like they have to have all this the right theological jargon and, <laughs> and all this the, yeah. the fancy biblical words and know the Hebrew and Greek meaning of this, and they have to have a doctorate in theology. That's not true. Yeah. I mean, the main thing is knowing Jesus because whenever his apostles begin to go out into uh, the city, out into Jerusalem after the day of Pentecost, what happened, it said, well, look at Peter and John. They healed the man at the gate, at gate beautiful, and everybody took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They saw the boldness that was on these guys, but they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. So, you know, they were very, very good at what they did in their profession, but, you know, they're just... They're just new in this thing, trying to figure <laughs> yeah, out, wow, right. you know, Holy Spirit's flowing. and But they just went where the people were, and they began to just, you know, touch people out of what they had experienced from God themselves. And so I think people need to realize that your ability to do missions in your community or your neighborhood, that mission, it flows out from the overflow of your relationship with God. And however that's released through your life, be content with that because yeah. that's how God, that's how Amen. God made you. Amen. Yeah. Well, that's powerful stuff. Appreciate it. Thank you so much yes. for uh, hopping on the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Hey, thank you. Pastor. Go and do missions. What What else is there to say? But I go know, and do it. <laughs> I know. I'm just so blessed, and to it's a blessing to have you and your family here in the city. And I'm very excited because you guys definitely I can see just a missional calling on you, and we're, we're very blessed to have you Amen. as a part of the community. Well, I hope you're encouraged, challenged, yeah. fired up to go and do missions. Derek Manival, what a great story. Great, great challenging words for us. Thank you for joining us on the Grace Point Daily. Again, remember, just like, share, subscribe, share it with someone, and we will talk to you next time.